Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. As expected by pretty much everyone worldwide, the U.S. Congress agreed to keep up the deficit spending and continue adding to the national debt. Meanwhile, the Federal Reserve continues on a path to increase short-term interest rates into the teeth of, first, a declining commercial real estate market, and now, a declining residential real estate market. As a backdrop, credit card debt continues to hit all-time highs to support consumer spending as the jobs market becomes more bipolar. Higher-paying jobs are evaporating as lower-paying jobs are growing. It's no wonder that inflation remains in the U.S. stubbornly above 5%, and arguably way above 5%, with the European inflation rate remaining officially in the 9 10 or 11% area. Something has to give, but so far so good, said the person who jumped off a tall skyscraper as he fell past the 30th floor. Why is it taking so long to sort out our economic and financial issues? Why is the stock market once again appearing strong? A large part of the answer is the vast amount of liquidity generated during the peak of COVID when 4 to $5 trillion of new government support benefits flooded the marketplace while the Federal Reserve created 4 to $5 trillion of new money to buy the new government debt, which supported the benefit payments. We've talked about these issues on a real-time basis for months, but what's going on? Are we waiting for an official recession, or are we so used to bailouts that we think we'll get another bailout? While we're waiting, let's discuss some of the more interesting parts of our present situation that are rarely covered by the so-called Main Street media. Keep in mind, perceptions and market psychology drive markets. I'll say it again. Perceptions and market psychology drive markets. Economic data helps us understand where we are in the economic and business cycles, but data takes a short-term backseat to perceptions and market psychology. I'll be more specific. So much of the newly created money has been injected into the markets with more than a decade of quantitative easing, much more than a decade of government spending deficits, and newly created Federal Reserve dollars that asset prices have climbed dramatically. Asset inflation, if you will, you've seen it everywhere. Housing, land, bonds, stocks, used cars, new cars, and the list goes on and on, even into the food items now. Enter the wealth effect, which we've discussed in prior podcasts. In economics, we know that the wealthier a person feels, the more a person spends. We saw this in the 2008-2009 financial meltdown, which was the after effect of many people taking out second mortgages and refinancings to buy a second or a third home. Housing prices were climbing every year for years, sometimes at double-digit percentages. Who could ignore that opportunity? Now, as so many have felt so much wealthier, once again, let the spending go on and on and on. We have no reason to expect markets to function normally. So many facets of today's environment are unique. For one, a -a once-in-a-century global pandemic fundamentally altered so many things, including central bank, commercial bank, and household balance sheets. Unprecedented monetary and physical stimulus disrupted price dynamics throughout economics and markets. 
economies and markets. What's more, major shortages forced a rethink of supply chain management, including inventory and outsourcing strategies. Importantly, the pandemic hit during the waning period of a multi-decade global bubble, a historic period of central bank experimentation, financial innovation, technological development, economic structural transformation, and globalization. Over-liquefied markets had turned highly speculative and leveraged. Market structure evolved to become dominated by trend-following behavior, with derivatives, algorithmic trading, and hedging strategies creating latent fragility. Recurring bouts of monetary instability and progressively activist central bank market intervention crystallized the perception that central bankers were guarantors of liquidity, stability, and buoyant financial markets. If pandemic-related dislocations weren't enough, Russia ruthlessly attacks Ukraine. This threw energy, grain, and other resource procurement into chaos. Shortly before the invasion, Russia and China announced their No Limits Partnership, the rise of the all-powerful Xi Jinping autocracy. China's unwavering support for Russia, in addition, and increasingly aggressive threats directed at Taiwan, forced the free world to take a hard look at the risks of outsourcing from China. There's no reason to expect inflation to behave as it has in the past. Chronically, too much money chasing goods of vacillating supply. For households, businesses, and governments, it became prudent to build stockpiles with ample financial resources available for the task. Job openings, the so-called JOLTS data, J-O-L-T-S, the government data, ended 2019 at a historically elevated 6.7 million openings. The interplay of massive physical and monetary stimulus with severe employment market dislocation saw a spike in job openings to an unprecedented 12 million by March of 2022. So many businesses, from small operations to major corporations, had to significantly ramp up compensation to secure the workforce necessary to operate. The acute labor shortage, coupled with multi-decade high consumer price inflation, induced a fundamental shift in compensation expectations, actually by both employees and employers. After ending the second quarter of 2019 at $4 trillion, the Fed's balance sheet peaked in 2022 at $9 trillion. Federal Reserve total assets at $8.4 trillion today remain double, more than double, the pre-pandemic level. Bank deposits ended 2022 at $20.6 trillion, or 38% higher than June 30th of 2019. A lot of liquidity. Pandemic period stimulus measures fundamentally reshaped the U.S. household balance sheet. The surge in liquid assets, or money, was unprecedented. Total household deposits totaled $4.75 trillion, or 45% higher, over the past 13 quarters, end of 2022. During this period, total household financial assets inflated 21% to $110 trillion. But it wasn't just inflating financial assets that ballooned perceived wealth. Household real estate holdings inflated by $14.6 trillion, or 44%, up to $47.9 trillion. In just 13 quarters, household net worth surged $33 trillion, or 29%, all the way up to $147 trillion. That inflation proved anything but transitory, and that should not surprise us. 
It was nothing short of an epic loosening of financial conditions following years and decades of generally loose conditions. Clearly, the Fed and global central market community waited too long to begin removing the stimulus and raising rates. But with the mighty inflation genie sprung loose from the bottle and running roughshod, only a destabilizing tightening of liquidity and credit would break newfound inflationary psychology, and no one was willing to go down that path, at least last year. This is such a bubble dynamic. Over time, bubbles become increasingly vulnerable. Indeed, systemic fragilities stealthfully grow exponentially over time, especially during culminating terminal phase excess. And the bigger and increasingly vulnerable a bubble becomes, the more cautious central bankers will be with tightening measures. Worse yet, acute fragility ensures policymakers will act quickly and forcefully to keep the bubble from deflating, ensuring a quick resurgence of speculative impulses. And we've seen this time after time in the past four years. The Bank of England restarted quantitative easing this past September to stem a crisis of confidence in the UK bond market. With 10-year yields only at 4.5% and weeks ahead of schedule, they starting quantitative tightening. This was soon followed by dovish comments from Fed officials, the European Central Bank, Bank of Japan, and Bank of Canada. Speculative markets received the confirmation they demanded that central bank liquidity support was available and would continue as needed. More recently, Federal Reserve assets surged almost $400 billion over the three weeks during the March banking crisis. The Federal Home Loan Bank Board provided several hundred billion of additional liquidity. Indicative of the powerful boost to system liquidity, money market fund assets surged almost a half a trillion dollars over the past 11 weeks, a 48% annualized growth rate. Market financial conditions loosened significantly with the S&P 500 jumping to a nine-month high and in a key market dynamic dating back to the 90s, over-liquefied and speculative markets do inherently fixate on the latest and greatest technology advancement. And for the current mania, it's all things artificial intelligence. When stocks and indices with huge outstanding call options go into speculative melt-up mode, the sellers of these derivatives are forced to buy the underlying shares to mitigate or hedge losses. Many sell out-of-the-money call options, either to generate additional returns or to put option protection. Large call option positions, especially out-of-the-money contracts, have the potential to create meaningful amounts of new liquidity when a big upward price move forces the purchase of underlying stocks on margin. And I'm not talking about just NVIDIA. I'm not talking about just last week. I'm talking about Microsoft. I'm talking about many tech companies that have very recently fueled, again, large gains in the market indices. This is a repeat, but the FANG stocks plus Microsoft account for about 25% of the entire S&P 500. So when the tech stocks have a move upward for whatever reason, these indices generally move up also considerably, even though most of the stocks in the index are not moving up. The mania in AI and tech has not only fueled huge gains in company market capitalization, but also powered, as I just mentioned, moves in popular indices, including the NDX, the SOX Semiconductor Index, and as I mentioned, the S&P 500. This bubble dynamic is a powerful creator of marketplace liquidity. It also incites what we call FOMO, F-O-M-O, which is 
fear of missing out. Between short covering and cajoling the underinvested, the speculative and derivatives-induced rally is pulling funds into the marketplace, and that's what we've been seeing, in my view. The upshot is a further loosening of market financial conditions, irrespective of Fed tightening measures. But the bond market is getting nervous. Loose financial conditions have worked to bolster both the economy and pricing pressures. More data this week, I'm I'm talking about the PCE, the GDP price index, the services PMI, personal income and spending, and jobless claims point to the resilient demand and inflation. And now market conditions are loosening again. Two-year Treasury yields surged 30 basis points this past week to 4.56%, which is the high since March 10th. Benchmark mortgage-backed security yields spiked 32 basis points this past week to a six-month high of 5.79%. The rates market is now pricing in a 70% probability of another 25% basis point hike in the Fed funds rate on June 14th, with peak funds now at 5.33. The market expects a 5% policy rate at the December 13th meeting, that's toward the end of the year, obviously, And that's even up 36 basis points from this week and 70 basis points in 11 sessions. So in total, I certainly appreciate that when the stock market is luxuriating in a short-term squeeze with derivatives, fear of missing out, melt-up, nothing else matters. But bond markets have their own dynamic. Moving to the UK, the UK 10-year yields surged 34 basis points this week to 4.33, trading to the highest since last October. With world-beating UK inflation again surprising to the upside, which is 8.7% year-to-year, two-year gilt yields spiked 54 basis points last week to 4.48%, the highest since the Bank of England was forced to intervene on September 28th. Trading action is certainly reminiscent this past week of September's deleveraging episode, and I do assume the UK pension system remains highly leveraged and highly vulnerable. So... Deja vu, maybe. Here at home, the banking system remains also highly leveraged and vulnerable. There are scores of big security portfolios that become immediately problematic in the event of a yield spike, and they have so far, and they are becoming more so problematic. And it wouldn't take much to restart the deposit exodus from vulnerable institutions. The mortgage marketplace is vulnerable to self-reinforcing deleveraging and interest rate hedging related selling, and generally, leverage permeating the entire system creates vulnerability to a surge in market yields, and we are seeing, again, a surge in market yields. Overall, the Fed is in a bad place. The resurgent stock market speculative bubble is a major force for loosening financial conditions and stoking inflationary pressures while risking a melt-up and crash scenario, but additional Fed tightening measures are problematic for the bond market and the banking system. So we're back to the Fed hikes until something breaks. At this point, financial conditions must tighten significantly to keep inflation from becoming only more deeply ingrained. And especially after this speculative stock market run in the past several months, tighter conditions will pierce bubbles. For now, such loose conditions set the stage for the nightmare scenario a surprising jump in inflation, a spike in market yields, and a repricing for tens of trillions of dollars of fixed income securities. Stocks can relish the fun and games, but look over your shoulder, and you might see some future headlines 
debt ahead. Bloomberg last week pointed out that America's largest city is at the forefront of mounting property distress that threatens to bring widespread defaults and deeper pain for landlords. We've talked about this in recent podcasts. With recent LA office space vacancy at a record 30%, buildings have plunged in value as workers stay away from the urban core of a sprawling car-centric region. It's a scenario unfolding in downtowns across the United States afflicting cities with vacant storefronts, crime concerns, and physically strained transit systems. Now, rising interest rates are colliding with falling real estate prices, pressuring building owners whose debt burdens are higher than the market value of their properties. That's in turn spurred warnings of financial instability from bankers, private equity executives, and even the Federal Reserve. More than $900 billion of debt on U.S. commercial real estate is set to mature from now through the end of next year. Much of it will need refinancing at interest rates that have more than doubled since last year. Bloomberg has also pointed out U.S. apartment landlords who benefited from rapid rent growth during the pandemic are suddenly in the red. Higher interest rates and surging expenses are erasing their profits, even as rents are still climbing in many places. Debt repayments or debt payments already exceed income from multifamily buildings financed with more than $47 billion of securitized loans. Making matters worse, property taxes are escalating swiftly, and the destructive path of climate change is sending insurance costs skyward. Building values are falling, complicating owners' efforts to sell or refinance their way out of trouble. The problem is nobody expected expenses to rise as much as they did, said, and this is Jay Parsons, who's the chief economist for RealPage. He quotes, in particular, investors with floating rate loans resetting at significantly higher rates are now challenged to cover debt payments. According to the Financial Times on May 24th, when private equity investors put nearly half a billion dollars in device media in 2017, co-founder Shane Smith hinted that the cash would help his digital media company achieve a public listing that would look very sexy. Speaking at an advertising festival in Cannes, the blustering media executive joked with reporters that he rounds up Vice's $5.7 billion devaluation to $6 billion because it's easier to say. For years, Vice had been widely regarded as the future of media. The injection of cash led by private equity group TPG and its then-partner Sixth Street was meant to propel the company towards either a splashy initial public offering or a multi-billion dollar sale. Instead, the opposite happened. After a series of disappointing results, years of chaotic management, risky endeavors, and a liquidity crisis, Vice has filed for bankruptcy. TPG's $450 million bet has been wiped out to zero. Vice's overall valuation now rests below $300 million. Also keep an eye on overall interest rates that filter through many of America's corporations. Bloomberg's Nina Trentman, quote, Corporate America is waking up to what higher interest rates really mean. Companies across the credit spectrum are facing sharply higher financing costs after the Federal Reserve raised its benchmark rate for 10 consecutive meetings. Interest costs at U.S. companies rose by nearly 20% on the average in the first quarter of this year compared to a year earlier. And that's according to a sample of 1,700 businesses from data provider CalcBench. 
On inflation, CNBC's Jeff Cox, quote, inflation stayed stubbornly high in April, potentially reinforcing the chances that interest rates could stay higher for longer. The Personal Consumption Expenditure Price Index, which measures a variety of goods and services and adjusts for changes in consumer behavior, rose four-tenths of a percent in April, excluding food and energy costs, higher than the three-tenths of a percent estimate. On an annual basis, the index has increased 4.7 percent, a tenth of a point higher than expected. Including food and energy, headline PCE also rose four-tenths of a percent and was up 4.4% from a year ago, higher than the 4.2% annual rate a month earlier. And the results are even worse in Europe. I'm not going to go through the detail, but I can give you just some examples. For example, food prices in the European Union rose 16.6% in the year ending April, far in excess of the headline inflation rate of 8.1%. Some of the biggest surges in Europe have been the cost of staples, with eggs rising 22% over the period, milk up 25%, sugar up 55%. I'll leave you with a few very practical thoughts. First of all, the average rate on the popular 30-year fixed-rate mortgage has now crossed over 7%. That's the highest level since early March. Mortgage applications to purchase a home dropped 4% for the week and were 30% lower than the same week earlier. Corporate bankruptcies are going back up after a two-year low as pressures in the economy grow, and the increase is most visible among large companies, where there were 236 bankruptcy filings in the first four months of this year, more than double last year's levels. So to wrap up, so far so good, as the skyscraper jumper now passes below the 20th floor. As we said earlier, psychology can overpower data, but ultimately the laws of economics as well as the laws of physics do prevail. Take care, be careful, take caution, avoid any new debt or major expansions in this environment if you can. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.